Welcome back to the You Are Worth Knowing podcast. This week's episode is going to be much more lighthearted than the previous ones because, well, I'm due for some humor on this podcast. But before I get into it, I wanted to let you know that I've decided to end season one of this podcast next week with episode number 20 being the last one. And I'm planning on resuming the episodes first week of September. So hopefully I get to enjoy the summer with some nice weather here in Europe, but you never know. But that's the goal so I can take a break, think of some fresh new ideas and have some guest interviews lined up for you. In the meantime, I'm extremely active on Instagram almost every day. So you can follow me at Honest Rocks there for all types of short form content. I'm also planning a workshop on making friends, even if you have social anxiety. And you can be the first one to know all about it if you sign up to my weekly newsletter. I'm also active there, so you can find a link to it in the show notes. Also, I'll be revamping my entire Show Up Confidently Without Social Anxiety Masterclass this summer. So stay tuned because it's going to pack a serious punch when I relaunch it. And again, if you want the best deal on it, I highly recommend you sign up for the newsletter to be the first to know about it. All right. Now that the admin stuff is out of the way, let's talk about the fun things we do in the name of social anxiety. Welcome to the Your Worth Knowing podcast. I'm your host, Roxana Alexandru from Honest Rocks, and I am obsessed with social anxiety. After a decade of trying to figure out how to manage it on my own, I'm on a mission now to share every little insight I've gained along the way. Every week, we'll get just a little bit closer to unraveling the mystery of it so you can live the best version of yourself because you are worth knowing. Let's get to it. Now, I've done many, many things throughout my life that I thought were normal human behavior. Although, you know, feeling uncomfortable at the time. And I've always felt different and a bit wackier, I guess, than the average person. But I never thought I was the poster child for social anxiety, you know, because honestly, I thought everyone reacted the same way in certain situations. And yeah, it was only when I married a non-socially anxious person that I finally saw my way of doing things might seem strange or funny to others. Yeah. So if you're socially anxious, you know, you have social anxiety, you're going to relate to this list. And if you're not, and you're randomly listening to this podcast, welcome. Stick around to learn more about the people in your life that have social anxiety and that exhibit this particular behavior. Because we're going to go down the list of the 10 things that I've done because of social anxiety. And I'm sure there's plenty, plenty more I can add to the list. Um, but I thought these were like the top 10 ones that were pretty recurring and, and frequent in my life at some point. And most of them I've moved away from. I have different habits these days because my social anxiety manifests in a totally different way, especially around my kids, which I'll probably talk about in a future episode. But for now, I'm going to go back in time a little bit to when I was really in the midst of my social anxiety and I had a really hard time with it. And I recognized that some of these behaviors were because of that. So I would love to hear if you can relate to any of these 10 things, I guess, 10 behaviors. And if you have any of yours that you want to share with me, I would, I would love to hear that. And maybe I'll make a part two to this episode. Number one, plan out each conversation in advance. If there was a party to attend, a happy hour, a work function, or any other event involving people, I planned out my topics of conversation. And I 
played out all the scenarios in my head, from the hugs I would give to the handshakes I would extend. I thought about how to start each conversation, and I memorized many questions to ask for each person that I knew would be there. And of course, that's problematic because should they deviate from my script in my head, I was screwed. Um, so to kind of make up for that, I sometimes role played the whole conversation, you know, to have the upper hand and prepare myself. If that's not social anxiety behavior 101, then I don't know what is. For example, Sally, I had no idea you were competing in the world's book of records for fastest sweater knitter. How on earth did you get into that? Or Mark, what a coincidence. I was reading about cryptocurrency the other day. What do you think about it? Do you think we're going back to the gold standard? Or here's another one. Jimbo, I heard you bought a camera and you're planning to live out the hashtag van life. Of course, that's after I stalked him on Instagram, right? So if I knew there were certain people that are going to be there, you know, managers, directors, you know, colleagues, whoever, whoever I knew that would be there that I could, you know, find a little bit of information on, I would plan out my conversations. And I didn't realize that this was my social anxiety and that it was manifesting itself this way until like way later. And I, I finally let go of this habit that my need to control a conversation for fear that I would have nothing to say, that it would end up being awkward, that they would find me boring, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and some of the reasons why someone would plan out a conversation. Now, these days, I literally go into a conversation like with a blank slate. I don't think ahead of what I want to say. I try to feel the person. I try to share what's recently happening in my life. And I try to be vulnerable in certain ways and ask questions. So I have way more tools at my disposal to do small talk, to keep the conversation going and engaging that I just didn't have before. And so I just planned out my conversations. I would love to know if that's something that you do or that you've also done. Now, the second thing is that I used to check to see if there was someone that I knew around. So I would, for example, do double takes in the morning to make sure that I didn't run into a chatty neighbor before I walked outside. Or, you know, the same thing went for when I walked into the neighborhood grocery store. My eyes were constantly darting from left to right. So I didn't accidentally end up in a 20 minute conversation trying to figure out how to get out. And the worst part is when you end up walking home in the same direction with this person that you already chatted with at the store. I was like, how much more can I talk to you, you know? Um, and it's not that I, I wasn't friendly or that, or that I'm not friendly, but I knew that if I was on a mission, you know, I had to do something, I had a purpose. The last thing that I wanted to do was engage in meaningless small talk. So I've kind of mitigated that by moving across the ocean. So I don't really run into that many people that I know these days. Obviously, I have the neighbors and I'm, I'm friends with them and I talk with them, but everyone is, you know, working remotely and we all have our different schedules, so it's very, very rare that I actually end, end up running into people that I know. So it's not that much of an issue anymore, and if it does happen, it's okay. Number three, running across the aisles to avoid someone. Now, this is in line with number two, kind of, but for example, if I accidentally saw someone I knew in a store, I would literally run to the next aisle. And I can't recall how many times I've strolled into a store and out of nowhere launched myself behind a rack or an aisle for cover because I recognized someone. And then I'd be hiding and I'd be like, did they see me? 
Oh God, I hope they didn't see me. What if they saw me hide? What if they're coming my way right now? What do I say? Oh my God, why am I like this? And, you know, at that point, I didn't care about my grocery list anymore. I only cared about not running into them and did my best to avoid this particular person. And sometimes that didn't work because I would peek at an aisle to see if they were there only to have them walk toward me, which was game over, of course. Um, and usually I would be by myself, obviously. So I didn't have to feel extra stupid about doing this. But when my husband started tagging along with me, I would have to deal with him also because he'd laugh at what I did because of my social anxiety. So, yeah. I guess the difference between number two, number three is that number two, I'm like actively looking to make sure that there's no one that I recognize before I walk somewhere. And number three is an impromptu situation where I'm running into somebody. I see them before they see me. And, you know, instead of going to them and saying, hey, how are you? Nice to see you. I run the other way. Um, so that's what used to happen to me these days. Again, I don't run into anybody that I know. And even if I do, I'm much more collected about it and I will not be running around the aisles. If anything, I would either pretend I'm on the phone or say I've got to go if I don't want to fall into the idle chit-chatting. So there's different ways to manage it that do not involve running away. Number four, asking someone to make calls on my behalf. So I usually have long to-do lists. You probably do as well. You know, schedule the car maintenance, set up the annual physical appointments, figure out why my bill is twice the amount it's supposed to be sign up my kid for swimming, soccer, whatever the case may be. And that's just for one day. And on top of that, there are probably like 10 calls that need to be made. And so uh, back in the day, this is how I used to handle it. Hey, mom, can you call for me, please? I know I'm 34, but please. And when I couldn't ask my mom to handle my appointments, because that's what she did for the majority of my life, my strategy changed to, honey, can you call that guy, you know, to fix the car? Baby, can you contact the bank and ask them to refund the transfer fee? Sweetie, can you please call the daycare to let them know where you're going to be there late? Yeah, you know, that's probably the number one reason I married him, right? <laughs> but to be honest, these days I'm better equipped to handle my own calls. Thank you very much. Um, but that doesn't mean that I enjoy it, unfortunately. If I could outsource all my calls, I totally would. And I think that's that that will be until I'm 80 years old. That is not going to be something I will enjoy doing ever. Yeah. Number five, asking a friend to ask someone to take a picture of us. So I always asked the person I was with if they could ask someone else to take a picture of us because you would never catch me asking a stranger directly to take a picture of me and a friend or maybe just me. Because if it were up to me, I would have always opted for a selfie or to put the timer on and risk losing my camera over the edge. Anything, anything to avoid asking a stranger, right? Um, but most of the time, I would just make the person I was with ask a stranger to take a picture. Because most of the time, my friends are social anxiety free and they're full-blown extroverts. So they have no problem doing that. Because honestly, I just couldn't put myself in the position where I had to one, stop a stranger, two, ask them to take a picture, three, give them my new expensive phone, four, walk away, five, take the time to pose properly, six, get the phone from them, seven, check the picture, eight, acknowledge that it's good, nine, ask for another picture if it sucks, ten, accept 
the sucky picture and 11 say thank you. So that's too many steps, too much involvement and too much human contact. So I stayed at a distance while someone else handled all of that. And yeah, honestly, that would still be my go-to strategy these days. If my best friend is with me, you bet I'm going to ask her to go ask someone. I can do it. It's not that big of a deal. But I, it's like, again, it's like one of those things I just prefer not to do it. So if I have someone that can easily do it and it's like, you know, bread and butter for them, go ahead, have fun, go ask a stranger. Number six, refusing to call out a mistake. Bob, I think you misspelled your name. I probably should have yelled out, but I didn't because I wasn't particularly eager to put people on the spot especially if they were getting ready to present or there was a meeting in place and people were talking already um, because that also meant I would be putting myself on the spot, right? And so to make myself feel better for not pointing anything out, I would have a whole conversation with Bob in my head. And it went something like this. Sorry, Bob, you'll have to lead the meeting with your name spelled boob on the board. I'm not sure what you were thinking there, but it's not my problem. Just like it's not my problem that the date is wrong on the report, that you spelled my name wrong, or that I shouldn't be in this meeting in the first place because you added the wrong Roxana to the meeting. And so after, you know, having this conversation in my head, I would just, you know, sit my butt down and pretend I didn't notice anything. And I would just sit there and enjoy the meeting. Yeah. Number seven, not asking questions. I made a whole video talking about how this was my first struggle and how scared I was to ask questions because of social anxiety. So you can go back and listen to that episode, but it's definitely something that took me a long time to get over because asking a question is scary, especially for an introvert or someone that has social anxiety. And for me, it felt that chances were pretty high that it wouldn't come out right, which meant I would sound stupid and people would roll their eyes at me and then life would be over. It usually goes like that, doesn't it? So it was much better to just sit quietly and pray that someone else had the same question and that they actually had the confidence to ask it. But, you know, other than that, I was just doing fine, blazing through life, waiting for someone else to ask my questions. I just couldn't afford anyone thinking that I didn't know something, let alone something that everyone else seemed to know. That was my biggest issue with asking questions, just the perception that came with asking the wrong question, I guess. Ugh, the things we think about when we have social anxiety. Number eight, pushing the close button in an elevator at super fast lightning speed. Tell me you can relate to this. You walk through the sliding doors of your building, step up to the elevators and press the button. There's no one else around you. You look back at the entrance and notice that someone you know is about to enter as the elevator dings. You run into the elevator, start pressing the close button panicky, maniacally, and barely make it as you see their hand about to stop the elevator. They were too late. Holy shiznits. Did they see me? Yep. For most of my life, this is how I handled elevators. It was quite stressful and anxiety inducing because I did everything I could to not share a space with anyone in an elevator. Yeah. So I went through all of those steps every single time just to avoid being stuck in an elevator with somebody. Number nine, 
going in the opposite direction that I actually needed to go to. So I did this thing where I became overly polite at my own expense. And so here's an example. If I was driving and I needed to take a left-hand turn, but there were five cars behind me waiting and there was a nonstop flow of vehicles coming in from the other way, I would actually make a right turn instead and drive for 10 miles just to not be an inconvenience to the cars behind me. I hated making people wait for me, so I'd go in the opposite direction if I had to. I would inconvenience myself before anyone else. I was just worried and terrified that someone would just get out of their car and yell at me for not going. Um, and that was more scary for me than driving an extra 10 minutes and making a U-turn somewhere else. Number 10, only going to places that let me book online. Okay, you caught me here. I still do this, like actively. I don't blink twice if I have to get a wax at a place that's 20 minutes further, as long as they let me book an appointment online. There's no way I will pick up a phone, try to coordinate on the spot with the host on the available time slots and talk about the options I want to have. I will happily skip all of that. Thank you very much. And honestly, I don't understand how in this day and age, there are service-based businesses that do not accept online bookings. Why? It's, it's so mind-blowing to me that it somehow feels fishy. Like, I don't trust these businesses. Now, these are the top 10 things I've done and kind of still do because of social anxiety. And, you know, the easiest way to start managing your social anxiety is to laugh at what it makes you do and then to take steps to work through it. Um, because, yes, you know, social anxiety is no joke. I, I know that because I've lived with it for many, many, many years. But... I can laugh at some of the things it made me do because if I don't, and if you don't use humor and if you don't laugh at yourself, you are giving it too much power over you, right? It, it, it feels like you're letting it control you if you cannot laugh at it. And so I'm going to challenge you to think of a few things that you do that are related to your social anxiety or, you know, to rephrase it, that's your social anxiety is making you do and to laugh at that and to be okay with this behavior. And that, you know, sometimes, yes, I, I might still run around the aisle to avoid somebody. And, you know, it's okay. It's a one-off thing. If it's not recurring and if, if you're trying to work on managing and, and changing your behavior, then that's great. You should really be proud of yourself. But if you don't have the awareness of what's happening and you think that this is normal and that this is a way of living and a lifestyle, it's not. I will just plainly let you know that it's not, it's not something you should be okay with because you can feel comfortable in your body and confident around people. It is possible. And running away, avoiding, you know, hiding and all these types of behaviors, you know, safety behaviors that are associated with social anxiety are not conducive to a happy and fulfilling life. So I want to challenge you to, yes, think about the behaviors that you have laugh at them and find a way to reduce the amount of time that you engage with them. That's all. Just reduce the amount of time and take it step by step. And eventually, you know, five, 10 years from now, you're going to be a totally different person. Who knows? Maybe you're going to be the neighbor on the street that everyone is avoiding because you won't stop talking to them, right? Who knows? Who knows? Um, but you'll never know if you don't start making the right changes in your life. So thank you for listening. Um, this was a very different episode this week. 
Again, next week is the last episode of the season, and we're going to be talking about how to get out of social anxiety hell. And it's going to be a practical episode, and it's going to be related to the show Lucifer, which is one of my all-time favorite shows. So I'm excited to share that with you next week. Stay tuned. And as always, you can reach me at rocks at Honest Rocks or on Instagram at Honest Rocks. And I would love to hear your input on any of these things, if you do them, if you've done them and what you think about them. So until then, have an awesome week. Bye.